Welcome to the ACC Podcast. My name's Tyler Birch. I'm a minister here at Anacortes Christian Church. We hope our weekly messages are a resource to help you grow spiritually and that they would bring you closer with God and His Son, Jesus. If you want more info about ACC, find us on Facebook or check out our website, anacortischristian.church. This is kind of a, you know, it's like the end of anything. Usually, even, even sometimes we don't think about it, but movies or stories, the intent of the author is normally to move us in a certain direction, to get us towards uh, a challenge, an invitation, a way of looking at our lives differently. Um, or maybe, you know, in modern poor grammar, like an ask. Have you ever heard of that? What's, what's the ask that we're going to come to at the end? Um, I don't know if any of you have been in a conversation with a friend or somebody, and you just thought you were checking in, and then you realize, oh, wait a second, they're going to ask me to do something. Today is that day, so you can get up and walk out if you need to at the beginning, or, or not. Um, but uh, I know I had a friend um, some years ago, he was a neighbor. We actually lived by him for several years, but what often seems the case, it, was, it wasn't really until the last like two or three months, even though we lived by them for years, it was the last two or three months before they moved away that we, we, had, we formed a friendship. That seems to happen often. I don't know if it's some part of my own whatever personality that like, I'll get to know you once I know you're leaving, you know, whatever. But this is what happened. And it was fun. We went on some hikes. We did some things together. Then they moved away, which that wasn't planned, but it was it's just a bummer when a good, you know, a friend moves away. And uh, so then I, I don't know how long, a couple years later, I got a phone call, a voicemail or a voice message from this friend. And I thought, wow, how cool is that? He's checking in on me. And so I was at work when he called um, so later in the day, I was excited to call him back and say, man, how's it going? You know, how's life going? And yet I realized very quickly that that wasn't what this phone call was about. He had something he wanted of me. Have you ever been in that? You know, and so as, as I'm like, hey, how's it going? How's life there? And then the tone of voice and everything, I realized like, uh-oh. And then pretty soon I realized that he was just wondering if I wanted prepaid legal. And I was like, oh. I quickly was like, you know, it's great talking with you. See you later. And hung up the phone, right? Because it's difficult whenever you know, like, okay, they're going to ask something of me. Don't do that to your friends. I just, yeah, I know there's lots of, that's probably people make billions of dollars, I guess, doing that, but they also lose billions of friends in the process. <laughs> so the next time you're tempted to do that, maybe, I don't know, I guess just don't call me. Um, <laughs> what is the author of Hebrews going to ask of us. More importantly, what is God asking of us? It's like, this all sounds too good to be true. Jesus is this great high priest. Everything about him is better. But now Jesus is going to ask something from me. And I hope you keep that thought in mind because as you start to think, okay, what would God want from us? You know, it's probably going to be terrible. It's probably going to be some dictator that's going to demand these terrible things from my life. Just want to plant that curiosity. What does God want from us? The end of chapter 12, what Brian preached about last week, says this, therefore let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. That's the kingdom. Everything that we've received from Jesus Christ that we've preached about, that we've talked about in Hebrews, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for he is a consuming fire. And now we're going to talk about what that acceptable worship, that reverence is. 
We call this morning, this, what, this thing we're sitting in, a worship service. It's a question, what type of worship does God want from us? I'm going to read our passage here in just a moment, and then I have uh, some, some guys that are going to come up and help me on the stage as we go through this morning. Uh, but before I read it, I, I want to just kind of give you this idea. I don't know, this may be completely foreign to you, or maybe you're uh, skilled in the area of when it comes to, to, to worshiping God. But I want to give you these three words. My mom kind of um, shared them with me this week. When it comes to how do you interact with God? And here's the words um, to ask, listen, and do. Ask, listen, and do. And I hope to actually carve out a little bit of time in our service, as awkward as it may feel, to have a few, it's not going to be nearly enough, but 20 to 30 second blocks where we actually spend a little bit of time listening this morning. Because before I read this, I just want to challenge you with this idea. Many of us never actually ask God, or maybe we do, but we never actually get around to carving out the quiet and the time it takes to listen to what God wants to what God has for us. Maybe it's a direction, a new calling, or, or maybe it's something really, really simple. Like, I want you to go and bless that person. I want you to go say, hey, you make me smile every time I see you. Whatever it is, God's often, if we take the time to ask and then to listen, God will bring something to mind. Most of us ignore it. We never get around to the listening part, let alone the doing part. And so the question is, if, if we don't ask, or if we don't listen, or if we never get around to doing, why would God continue to speak to us? He's wasting his time. So this morning, as we end out the book of Hebrews, I hope that you will take the time to ask, to listen, and maybe you can do whatever it is God brings to mind today. Maybe you just need to spend some more time listening this week, or maybe he'll bring something really specific that you can write down as we go over these 10 different areas here in a moment. I just want to plant that idea. I ask, listen, and do. Now I'm going to continue reading in Hebrews chapter 13, and then we're going to talk about it, and I'm going to need my uh, 10 guys to come up on stage. It goes, let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. Remember those who are in prison, as though in prison with them. And those who are mistreated, since you also are in the body, let, the marriage, let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, so we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings. For it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefited those Devoted to them, we have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat, 
For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought you is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. Again, there's a lot of language here pointing back to what we've already covered in, in Hebrews. There's some of this language we're not going to fully have time to unpack today. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Obey your leaders and submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give, have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. And pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience, desiring to act honorably in all things. I urge you the more earnestly to do this in order that I may be restored to you the sooner. This morning, what I have planned and what I hope will be is a little bit less of a sermon and a little bit more of, uh, I don't know the word, an examination, an opportunity, like we already said, for you to listen and to do or to, to ask to listen and to do what comes to mind. So I want to invite, I talked to, I think, six or seven guys, because here's what I, the title of our sermon this morning is called 10 Do's of the Faith do's, like D-O, apostrophe S, kind of a fabricated word, 10 do's of the faith. You could call it like, kind of like 10 commandments, but this isn't the 10 do's of the faith. These are just 10 do's of the faith that the author wants us to look on. I, you could actually, there's probably more than 10 here. I kind of boiled them into 10. And so in order to try to illustrate the 10 do's of the faith, I have asked, uh, I need 10 dudes <laughs> to come up here, and I've talked to seven of them, and if my nephew's wouldn't mind being strong-armed into coming up as well. I'll have a full 10. No pressure. Um, but the, the 10 guys that I talked with, if you guys would just come up on stage and just kind of line up right here behind me. And I did talk to 10, so this is the time uh, for you to come up. And I may need one extra. We'll see here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Um, Emmett, are you interested? Yes. Oh, good. All right. All right. So you guys just line up right behind me, right here. Thank you, Emmett. Appreciate it. Sorry if, I, if you feel left out, guys. There's lots of other dudes here. But I needed these 10 dudes. You guys just get to stand there the whole sermon. It's going to be awesome for you. No, actually, you don't. Whenever I, I'm going to need, so we got one, two, three, four. And we got to scoot out a little bit. These musicians have the stage all littered with stuff. So we got to kind of, you know, all right, spread out so everybody's there. 10 dudes right there. I like it. All right. You guys give a hand already for our 10 dudes. There's other dudes sitting out there that don't have the opportunity to come up here. But what I have is some visual aids um, that, to help us kind of illustrate the 10 do's of the faith this morning, maybe to help something stick in your mind. Some of these visual aids are really great. Some of them are not that great. Some of them you guys get to keep, whoever the lucky person is. Some of them you have to give back to me, okay? Um, but this morning, these guys are here to help us to illustrate 10 do's of the faith this morning that we're going to focus on. 
Um, and here at the beginning section, and I didn't really conclude this, but at the beginning of the chapter, it says, let brotherly love continue. So just for the illustration, would you guys mind putting your arms around each other? Because I want to talk about brotherly love for a moment. You guys got to scoot together. Watch out for all the stuff that we're going to unplug and mess up for later on. Sorry, Mike and everybody else. You guys got to scoot this way. Put your arms around each other. That looks kind of like brotherly love. It's like, ooh, I don't know. What is brotherly love? Have you guys ever been in an environment where you know your brother, your sister has your back? You know that you don't have to walk around fearful of what are other people whispering about me or, or what if, you know, what did I, what, you know, is there something going on? Is my zipper down or something that my friends, no, you know in brotherly love, they're going to tell you about it, right? They've got your back. You don't have to fear. The beginning of this, when it comes to what does acceptable worship look like, God says, the unity, the, the just knowing that you're safe that comes with brotherly love. It's an awesome thing to be in, isn't it? It's, have you ever been on a team or some kind of environment where you were so unified, you were so you know, together, you knew that you went in? I, I'm sure you know, in military, there's, there's probably events and times where maybe you're fighting together with your brothers and you hear of lifelong bonds that are formed because of the struggle that you went. Your brother had your back. You knew no matter what would happen that you had each other's back. It's an incredible picture. And it's, now you could probably boil it into your one, but it's, I'm just going to wrap the whole list of our do's in this idea of brotherly love. You guys didn't do that for very long. <laughs> That's all right. We didn't practice. This is, uh, this is good. No, you guys are doing an awesome job. So then we get to our very first one, and we're going to start off right over here. And uh, so like I said, some of our, my um, visual aids I'm proud of, and some were lack of creativity. This one I'm kind of proud of. So you, you want to come right up here? Because the, the cool thing is after you, after you hold it, I'll give it to you here in a second. You can hold it, and then when we're done talking, you can go sit down. So, and that way, it's kind of like the hourglass. You know how, like, um, that way you guys know when the sermon's winding down. <laughs> Unfortunately, it'll just be Emmett, sorry, Emmett, um, to the very end. And you guys can kind of know, okay, you can check your watches on that. The, very, the, the first do that I want to start off with is do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. Let me read it, and then I'll get um, Gideon. Got that right. Get Gideon, his prop here. Uh, this comes from verse 2. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. And when I was thinking, okay, what prop for strangers, for outsider, for whatever... And uh, I, I tried to get something, but this is all the best I came up with. So Gideon, you want to stand right up here? And I thought, what prop could best, on a day like today, illustrate <laughs> outsider, stranger? And do you mind just kind of putting that right there? Okay. <laughs> now, some of you may not get that because you're not that passionate about football. The word hospitality is not even, you know, because sometimes we think hospitality, that means I need to invite... Uh, Gideon, the 49ers fan. You a 49ers fan? No. Okay, good. He's like, no, how dare you? I tried to find somebody that had a hat, you know, but I couldn't track one down. I don't know why. Nobody had any. Um, I did hear a story, one of the guys here in the church, that when he first moved here to town, um, he walked, and this was probably back around 2013, at the height of this, you know, and, and he walked into church one day, and I don't know if it was a hat or something, but he had a 49ers something on. And uh, he, he said that he thought his boss was joking for a moment because his boss was basically kind of communicating, hey, if you want to keep working here, you won't wear that. 
And he's like, ha ha, that's funny. And then the guy's like, no, really, right? So I, I thought, what better way to illustrate, to burn into our minds the idea of not just showing hospitality by having, you know, 49ers fans over to eat or something, but how to outsiders. And the word isn't hospitality, it's to love them, to serve them, to care for them. Our natural inclination is to circle the wagons, to love those who love us, to push strangers away. But the gospel gives us this new way of living, this new way of looking at outsiders. I mean, why would you ever love a stranger? What's a stranger going to do for you? Maybe, you know, maybe they're going to turn into a 49ers fan or somebody that's going to hurt you. Yet the message of the gospel is because God has poured out so much love into my life, he has given me an endless reservoir of love and care to pour out on those around us. Some of us treat love like it is um, maybe kind of like we do money or time or whatever. It's this, you know, this quantity that we have. And we're afraid, oh no, if I leak some out, if if I'm actually loving and kind to this guy, what's in it for me? The gospel message flips all that around. It says, Jesus is like, when you throw a banquet, don't just invite your friends. Your friends are just going to invite you back. Go out and find people that can't pay you back. Care for them. Love them. That's what the gospel message looks like. And I want to invite, and we don't, here in a second, I'm going to talk about two, and then we're going to have some time for you to actually kind of prayerfully ask that question. But I want you to start thinking and maybe even writing down, Lord, what does showing hospitality, loving and caring for outsiders look like in my life right now? Maybe it's outsiders as in those who I don't know. Maybe it's outsiders who are at your family reunion, you know, this week. And they're not outsiders in the sense that they're not from your family. They're outsiders that they're just somebody that's difficult. Maybe you'd put them in the enemy territory, somebody that's challenging you for to be around. Maybe there's somebody at work, somebody at school that you're going to return to. You're so grateful to, you know, to be away from them, and yet you know you're going to have to go back to that toxic person. The, the gospel is about not just feeding them lunch. It's about loving them, caring for them. What does does this look like? And of course, it talks about some have entertained angels. You can look back at Abraham whenever he was there in, in Genesis 18 or Lot in Genesis 19, whenever God himself showed up in the form of a stranger. There's debate. It makes it look like maybe he recognized him. Maybe he didn't. But these, they showed up. So what if the next 49ers fan, you see, it's like, oh, that, God was like, hey, that was me. Hey, you did a good job. You can keep that. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Just be careful what you, uh, where you hold it at. <laughs> the next one is remember those in prison and who are mistreated. Let's see if I got all the right stuff in here. Oh, what good I did. All right. You can come hold this for just a second. You can just, if you can put those on. I'm going to read this one. <laughs> remember, this is, uh, remember those who are in, mis- who are in prison. As though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated, since you also are in the body. That's pretty good. Put your own handcuffs on. All right. So here's our... I remember my dad, for a little bit, was like a reserve police officer. And there's always that, like, he had real handcuffs. And I remember there was some story, but that wasn't us. But, you know, we're like, there's always that, like, oh, those are the handcuffs. Oh, I don't have the key. We're going to have to go down to the police station, you know, to to get it off. So there's always this fear I had around handcuffs, and I don't have the key for those either. So, um. 
No, the, 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 this one, number two, remembering those in, mis, in prison, but the language of the gospel is as if you were there with them, or remembering those who are mistreated as if you, because they're part of the very same body. Now, most of us, and I don't personally think that much about those are in prison, unless you have a family member or a friend who's there. I know this, this specific language had more direct meaning to the original audience, like, like it would have to Christians in, in Turkey or North Korea or even like China. Here, just a couple weeks ago, uh, an elder at the Early Rain Church, I'll just call him Brother Quinn. I don't know if we have a, a picture of him here. Somebody that was sentenced to four years in prison here recently, in our, like in our world right now, just for having books in his church that his small groups used to study from. The author is saying, remember those who are in prison as if you were there with them. And you never really have any idea. I've never been to prison in the same way that some have. You have no real idea. I wanted to have time. I don't have the time to tell Chuck Colson's story. But if you know anything about that name, he was somebody who was high up and yet he had, and, you know, he had done a lot of things. He was you know, basically right-hand man to the president back in the 70s, I believe. I got the right date in my mind. And, and yet he then threw a through his conversion experience, through a whole bunch of different things happened to him, and he went, he went to prison. And really, if he had never become a Christian, he never would have had to go, because his, off, his lawyers were providing him an oper- a way out, plea bargaining, different things, that he could have kept his career and all these things. But because of his faith, he went and he experienced it. He wasn't like he wanted to. That's just what happened, the story. And he experienced seven months in prison. And if you know anything about Chuck Colson, he came out of that experiencing, oh my goodness, I've put people here. I had no idea. Because you don't know what it's like until you're there. And yet, and then he went from that and started Prison Fellowship. It's now a worldwide of trying to reach these men, trying to better the conditions and try to actually accomplish the aim of, of putting them in prison to try to rehabilitate them. Because it, the writer tells us he wants us to remember those who are, who are in prison or, and those who are mistreated. I don't know what your natural inclination is when you see the misfortune of others. Is it, I don't know if it's judgment, like, man, they got what's coming to them. Or is your natural inclination like, whew, you know, I'm glad that wasn't me. And you drive past an accident on the highway and you see somebody there, is it easier to think like, oh man, sure glad that wasn't me. I don't know your natural inclination. I've told the story up here before. But fortunately, I don't preach that often, so I can recycle my stories. Um, when I was at Harwood Junior High in, uh, in Euless, Texas, uh, I wasn't in Euless, but it was down in Texas, growing up, and I remember uh, the cafeteria. And I don't know about you, the cafeteria, for, you know, this is a large school. There's a lot of people in this cafeteria. And, and I don't remember all the circumstances, but I remember this altercation, this fight breaking out. There's this big kid. And at the end of the fight, he ends up taking this little kid and he goes over and he picks him up. I'm not going to do that to you, but you're just, you're standing there. He picked him up and he took him and he threw him in the trash can. And I remember still today, I can remember thinking um, like, whew, I'm glad that wasn't me. And yet this week, as I looked at this passage, the questions started to pop into my mind. I wonder what happened to that kid. I wonder what happened after that. I mean, I can remember the altercation. I can remember him throwing in in the trash can. I can remember thinking, whew, I'm glad that wasn't me. I don't remember if anybody walked over and and helped him get out of the trash can. I don't remember if anybody helped him go to the 
clean, up, clean himself up in the bathroom. I don't remember. I kind of wondered, where's that kid today? Like, what's going through his mind? We're talking about worship that is pleasing to the Lord. It's not just standing here and as we'll talk about in a moment and singing songs. These are amazing, but the worship that God wants for us, what he wants his people to be doing on this earth is to love and care for the outsider. It's to actually remember those who are in prison as though you were there with them and their family and their wives and their kids and everybody else and those who are mistreated since they are a part of the same body. I want to invite you to take just 20 or 30 seconds, it's not nearly enough time, but just considering those two things that we've talked about, and I'll let Judah see if we can get these off and I'll let him go have a seat, but I fortunately can't give these to you. These are my kids, they'd be mad at me. Yeah. But I want to invite you just to consider those for a moment, close your eyes, if, or maybe journal something and just spend some time saying, Lord, what do you want to tell me? about this. Maybe it's praying for Brother Quinn. Maybe something else that God wants to ask you. I just invite you to take 20, 30 seconds to, your, to journal and ask those questions. Lord, how am I doing in these areas? I know on Family Sunday as a parent, it's always the, the worst time to have like silent time. Like you guys are doing a good job. All right, dude number three, you can come stand right here. Um, the next one is number three: let marriage be held in in honor among all. All right, I couldn't find what I, what I wanted to try to find, but we had to just come up with. So this is I didn't do a very good job on this visual aid. Sorry, Liam. Uh, here, hold that for a moment. And I have, it's funny, how many, of you, how many of you guys up here have ever been a ring bearer in a wedding? You guys ever been there? You've got to raise your hand if you've been a ring bearer. <laughs> All right, how about out there? Anybody in here ever been a ring bearer? All right, yeah, we have some ring bearers out here. I have, you know, it's funny, on my, I, our rings, you know, the, I remember on our rings, actually my first ring I, I got, I lost two weeks after the wedding. And then, I, you know, had it, so this one is actually like, one of those like sports ones that doesn't get caught in your finger because I had an accident and I don't want to lose my finger. So anyway, this is our pretend ring bearer's pillow with my cheap ring on it. What is a ring bearer? What is the purpose of a ring bearer? Why do we, and maybe different weddings today, we've thrown out all the customs, maybe the ring bearers don't exist anymore, maybe you don't know what that is, but we take something, we take two things normally not made out of this, made out of precious metal, and, we, we, and somebody may carry it traditionally, at least in my mind, it's, it's on a pillow. And then they walk down, down the aisle. I remember at Blake and Kelsey's wedding, right? We had some security guards and some other guys like standing around the ring, you know, and they were, why were they doing that? Is it because like the guy's still in debt on this thing, you know, is that what the purpose of that is? No, it's because the ring points to something precious, something valuable, something that you can't even imagine. And we, the ring represents the promise, represents the commitment. The writer of Hebrews invites us to hold it high. I wish we had time. 
to talk about this. Because we live in a world, in a culture, where marriage is not just dishonored, it's, that's, that's old news, that's old stuff, that's, that's, that's something designed to hold people back. But if you're living the life of faith, the, the writer invites us to look at marriage through a different lens, because the point of it is, it's not just marriage and the marriage ceremony and the wedding and everything we think of. The Bible tells us, well, we're going to read it at the end of the sermon today, how God views marriage. Marriage between a man and a woman is just a picture of something far greater. It's a picture of Jesus and his church. It gives us a picture of a commitment, of a covenant that is greater and higher than any covenant you can ever imagine, and it's best symbolized and shown in this world by the act of marriage. And I had the opportunity, I've gone, done it twice now with my boys to, to walk through something called Passport to Purity. It's from a ministry that's kind of designed, you're trying to prepare your sons and your daughters to try to look at not just marriage, but look at purity, look at, look at the relationship with God through a different lens. And it asks the question, who do you want to be whenever you one day, if it's, it, now if it's the Lord willing, for you to stand at some altar or on some stairs with another, another lady someday for my sons. What do you want to present to her on that day? And there's several different projects throughout it. One I can remember vividly that we fill this water, this balloon filled with water, and then you start poking holes in it, and the holes are representing the different forms of intimacy and things that you engage in before you're married. And at the end of the day, you see this porcupine, basically, of a balloon. And then at the end, whenever you're there, all you end up with is this wrinkled up balloon. And again, the question is, what do you want to present first and foremost to God on that day? And second, what do you want to present to your wife? Let marriage be honored by all. I can remember uh, my dad telling the story, and I just kind of checked the details again last night. I know when he was, in, he was getting ready to be engaged with my mom, he was in college and living in a dorm room type of environment, and I guess he was expecting to receive the, a package from the jeweler. It was the ring. It was this precious ring, you know, and my dad, being like me too, you know, didn't grow up, and this probably spent more money than he'd, he'd had. This was something that he had invested in, and he was waiting for this package to come. And yet the other guys in this dorm knew that this package was coming as well, and they knew, to expect, they knew that he was expecting it. And so one day they saw that it had come, and he wasn't there, and so they intercepted it. And then they took another, you know, so they kind of kept that aside, and they took a piece of brown paper. My dad didn't know this at the time because he just saw the end result. But what they did is they took a piece of brown paper that looked similar, and they wrote the address of the jeweler on it and everything, and then they wadded it up, and then they took it out and rubbed it in the dirt. One guy drove his car over it, and they put it back in front of my dad's dorm room with a note from the post office that said something about, trouble with uh, delivery, contact the post office. And of course, he didn't know. All he knew was like, the ring. And again, it's not about the ring. It's about the picture of who we are and what do we present first and foremost to God. Whether or not you ever get married in your whole life, what are you bringing to present to him on the altar? And then if it is God's will for you to be married, what are you presenting there? And then as the statement goes, it goes far beyond just that wedding day. Who are you? Are you honoring marriage? There is so much more I would love to say. Obviously, in this environment on Family Sunday, 
in the time we can't say it. But I want to invite you to ask yourself the question, Lord, what image am I presenting to you? We're not just talking about marriage. We're talking about something far greater. What am I presenting to you on the altar? Am I honoring or am I defiling? Fortunately, I can't let you keep that because that's my cheap ring. And and, uh, thank you, Liam. You can have a seat. Let marriage be held in honor among all. Then the fourth one. Oh, good choice. Keep your life free from the love of money. I have a million dollars. No, not really. I have a dollar bill. It doesn't even belong to me. It actually belonged to Tyler, and I got it from him. And I want you just to hold that for a moment as we read through this one. This is, this is a good one, especially for all the guys that aren't going to get certain things. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Now, all of you guys should have lined up fourth because you would have ended up getting a dollar bill today. Um, So this is a really great opportunity. Does anybody else in here need to pray about contentment? What does contentment mean? Being fully satisfied, being strong, uh, possessing unfailing strength, not based on my external circumstances. Contentment. Here, as we enter a new year, as we have the opportunity to ask ourselves and ask God, Lord, what place has money gained in my life for the love of money? gained in my life. Because for many of us living today, we, you know, we live in a day and a time where you need money to live. You need money to own the house that you want, money to own the different things. What does it look like to be satisfied? I think God knew we would need extra help in here. That's why he said, trust in me. I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's the same thing that he said to Joshua when he was sending him on this great mission. Now he's saying, hey, don't let the love of money consume you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? What would it look like to end this year to go into the next fully unclenching our hands and saying, Lord, these these fears that drive me, will I have enough money for retirement? Will I have enough money for my kids to go to college? Will I have whatever it is, what does it look like to present those fears to him today? So I'm going to invite you to keep that or to keep it for now, but to look for an opportunity with that later on. We'll talk about in a little bit. So you can have a seat. Nice job, buddy. You guys feeling content? Good. I want to invite you to take a few moments to pray and journal, or just, again, it's 20 seconds, to say, Lord, in the area of marriage and honoring, in the marriage of purity, and in the marriage of, of, of contentment, the area of contentment, what do you want to speak to me, and what do you want me to do? Would you take just a few moments to ask those questions?
All right. Moving on. Num- dude number five. Come right up here. This works out well. I wasn't sure how it was going to work. but So number five, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. The last guy got a dollar. All you get is me. I was going to have the guy, you know, bring his dad up on stage, but somehow this worked out well, and this is my son, so I'm glad for that. Remember your leaders. I don't know. This isn't one maybe that would normally, you know, New Year's resolutions. You probably wouldn't think about leaders in your life. But this one gives us an opportunity or a challenge maybe. And sometimes we are tempted to think that, you know, leaders and leadership, those are more for kids. Those are, you know, the older you get, you get to a spot where you don't have to have any other leaders over you. He asks us to remember our leaders. Stand there for a moment. Sorry, you don't get the dollar, but you can have a hug, you know, okay. <laughs> Stand there for a moment, then I'll have you go down. You know, what, who are these leaders? Many of us, you know, we think our, our first thoughts, we're reading the Bible, we're sitting in church, so we're probably thinking about ministers, teachers, you know, here in the church, elders, whatever that would be. But what are these, these, these leaders, and what does he ask us to do about them? Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Now, it's not specifically written, but I think it very much (laughs) applies to those of us in this room who are in leadership roles. And I think this goes far beyond the church walls of elders or titles or things like this. I think it exists there. But first and foremost, I think of parents and grandparents, bosses, teachers, leaders, elders, ministers, whatever, but this is far beyond just a title that you get or a paycheck that you get. Consider your leadership, but it's asking us to remember our leaders. Imitate their faith, parents, grandparents, leaders. What faith will they imitate? What outcomes will they see and outcomes will they start to operate with. You can learn from a podcast or a radio or even a preacher, but the leaders that you, both, you best learn from are the ones that you rub shoulders with, that you know, so that you can imitate their faith. I can stand up here and look good and say all the right things, but it's my son sitting at home who knows about my strengths and he knows about my weaknesses, would you say? Yes, yeah. He's inviting you to remember. Later on in chapter 9, he'll take that a step further. But I want you just to spend some time. This, because we're freedom-loving humans. But he invites us to remember our leaders. Don't forsake them. Respect them and allow your life to be in proximity to them so that you can learn from them and become like them. Don't live your life trying to get away from leadership. So I don't know what this looks like in yours. I I invite you to write it down and spend some time here in a moment or later this week just saying, okay, Lord, what are the the leaders in my life? Maybe that I've overlooked, maybe that I've distanced myself from, maybe I never really allow myself to be led. And again, we'll talk a bit more about that in a moment. All right. Thanks, buddy. Dude number six. All right. 
The next one, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And this is kind of a whole bunch. I'm kind of boiling down into one. The, the do, do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings. But I'm going to continue reading in verse 9. It is, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. In my visual aid for this one, Jonathan, I just want to invite you to go wrap your arms around that cross right there and cling to the cross for a moment. All right, you keep clinging. Good job. I'm going to talk a little bit about that, and then I'll have you sit down in a moment. He's warning us, saying there will be those or there will be paths that will try to pull you away from the cross of Christ. This picture that he's been giving throughout the whole book of Hebrews of how God or Jesus is better. He's a better mediator, a better high priest. His blood is better. Everything about him is better, but there's a path that leads away from him, or there's actually many paths that lead. Sometimes that path is just a quick, hey... You know, it's a stark, but more often than not, the leaders or the paths that pull us away from clinging to the cross are subtle. They can just get your allegiance in small ways. They can slowly lead you down a path that leads further and further away from him in such a way that you don't even notice it. Maybe it's the messages that you're exposed to day in and day out from the movies, the books, the different things, the advertisements, subtle advertising that you're exposed to. Watch out, you are being led down a path whether you realize it or not. The question he says, he asks for us is, are you strengthened by grace or do you go to someplace else to get your strength? Are you strengthened by the grace that is available at the cross. When you wake up each day, are you thinking, yes, by the grace of Christ, I can walk out into this day strong and free, not on my own merit, but on his? Or are you trying to go into the day seeking after something, you know, some learning, some, something that you can do to please God or maybe just to please yourself? The do is to cling to the cross. Don't be led away by strange teachings. And then he points to this spot, again, we don't have time to really unpack it all, where he talks about going outside of the city. I want to sum it up to just say a faith-filled life is a life of being an outsider. It's, again, it's being the outsider that we were encouraged in the very first one to love and to care for, because Jesus says this in John 17, 14, I have given them your word, he's praying to God in this moment, I have given them your word and the world has hated them. Because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. One of our, your number one fears this year may be rejection. It may be being alone, being isolated. And yet Jesus invites you to follow him. As it says, he, he offered himself outside of the city. This wasn't some you know, religious figure that came in and everybody just embraced him and loved him. No, they rejected him. They imprisoned him. 
And Jesus invites us to follow after him, to cling to the cross as our source of strength. And don't be led away by other strange teachings, other belief systems. Many of us think that sometimes, you know, if we're going to follow God, okay, I'm going to cling to the cross, I'm going to follow God, but God, I have all of these fears. What do I do with those? And we think, if, if God will just keep my fears from coming true, then I will be free. But freedom isn't just the absence of your fears coming true. You know, like if I'm afraid of the medical emergency or I'm afraid of my health going bad or running out of money or whatever your greatest fear, being isolated. No, freedom isn't the, the, you know, the absence of that. Freedom is taking your fears, joining him, following him and allowing him to overcome your fears. Sometimes, not all the time, that means stepping into the things that you fear the most. Stepping away from, you know, the popularity or, or maybe what the culture is saying, this is what's best and greatest, and it's walking a path that leads away from that. That's the path that Jesus Christ invites us to do when we cling to the cross. It's good to be strengthened by grace. Thanks, Jonathan. You can go have a seat. I want to invite you again to take a few moments to look at the last two we've talked about, to remember your leaders and to not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I invite you again just to spend a few quiet moments, whether it's journaling and saying, Lord, what do you want to tell me in these areas right here? don't really have time to do all of this justice, but we're going to move on to let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. All right. So for this one, um, <laughs> these guys, like they, like, they know what it is. All right. Uh, for this one, you know, I came up with a really great uh, visual aid. It talks about the fruit of lips. That, uh, here you go, you just want to hold that right there. We got some Fruit Loops up here. Let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. You picked a good one, didn't you? Yeah, you did. What does your worship look like? Sunday morning guitars and music are a form of worship. But true worship comes in the form of living it out, letting your faith and trust in the Lord overcome your fears and acknowledging him by living out your worship day in and day out. There's nothing wrong with singing your worship as long as it is a reflection of your lived out faith. Otherwise, it's just religious lip service that is meaningless to God. God drives this home everywhere throughout the Bible. Micah 6, verse 7 says, Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oils? You could substitute and say that. With like the loudest concert venues, you know, with our shouting and screaming out to him. Does God hate those things? No, that's not what it's saying. 
Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. What does your worship look like? If it's something that's only reserved for Sunday morning, and it doesn't ever turn to the fruit of your lips acknowledging God throughout the week, maybe it's acknowledging his name by speaking his name, maybe it's acknowledging his name just by living out of fearless, not because you don't have fears, but because you've trusted your fears to the Lord, maybe it's, it's living out what God has called you to do. And again, as we've said so many times, not to try to, okay, as long as you live a way God wants you to do, then he's pleased with you. No, it's because God has invited you in to be his son. He wants you to have fruit-filled lips or loops this week. What does your worship look like? Thanks, Colin. I like this because like, they're, they're figuring out what, what the next things are here. What am I going to get? That guy just got cling to the cross. <laughs> Number eight, don't neglect to do good and share what you have. You have any guesses? Is Wesley been whispering to you back there? All right. Well, here, I can't give this, and this, this may be completely melted, but you got a good one too. But the problem is, though, you have to actually live, you know, there's, there, we've got to read through what it's saying here. Number eight, do not neglect to do good and share what you have. Now, there's going to be a burden on you here in a second, but I am going to give you this here in a moment. I'm going to share this with you. But the reason I chose this is I have a problem, and I've talked about my problem before, but when it comes to um, food, you know, we talked about honoring, your, uh, honoring marriage, one of the best ways that I can honor my wife is probably not talking about her on a Sunday morning, but beyond that is sharing my food with her. And in some things, I'm really good at sharing my food, but sometimes we'll go on a date and at the end of it, you know, we may end up getting something like this. And, and personally, what I would like is to say like, you know what, I'll buy you as many of these as you want, but I don't want to share it with you. Right? Because it's some things you can share by you like, okay, we'll share this. We'll split it in half, right? I can get my internal ruler out and I can, but when it comes to like a thing of ice cream and we're driving home and, you know, and I, there's just something inside me, I just can't help but like, I'm counting bites. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm like, oh no, let's just like five. And, and at the end, you know, if her number of bites may out, you know, outweigh mine by, and, and again, my, my, it's, it's like, it's, it's exhausting. It's, it's grueling, right? I don't know if anybody else has this problem. So when I thought about it, I thought, oh, this would be a good sermon illustration. I can take all the ice cream out and leave it at home for me to eat later on, and I can just give it as a visual aid, but then God showed me, you know, that's not really the point here, so, <laughs> so I'll let you hold this for a little bit. <laughs> Maybe I'll let you take it down and give it to my wife. No. Um, do good 
and share what you have. Imagine walking through your day, every day this week with that question on your mind. How can I worship the Lord today? Is it by you know, walking through the halls of my class with a guitar? Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But more it's, God, it's, it's saying, God, open up my eyes to the needs around me and show me how to do good. And again, this isn't some try to win God's favor. You've already done that through Jesus Christ. This is just the opportunity as an ambassador to walk out to do Good. And often some of us think, you know what, if I had a bigger house, then I could open, I could bring more people in. If I had a nicer kitchen, if I had that lady's personality, then I could be more loving to strangers. If I had whatever it is, he says, no, share what you have. Recognize what has God put in your hands. How can you use that for ministry? That was what John Douglas's whole purpose was when he was in, uh, in Africa was to say, okay, Lord, we're not going to go outside of the continent and go get all this money. We're going to say, what have you given us already that we can use for your good? This week, I invite you to look at what God has given you, not just money, not just possessions, personality. Maybe you keep thinking, I don't want mine. I want hers. I want his. I want something else. What has God given you, and how can you share that for his kingdom? As hard as it's going to be, I'm going to let you take that and, uh, and uh, share that with people. Yeah, it's really painful to watch. I really like that flavor, too. All right, you guys are doing a good job. You keeping your knees bent so you don't fall over? Um, we're on to number nine. He says, obey your leaders and submit to them. Wesley, I'll let you keep this because it's probably yours already. <laughs> this is my son as well. All right, what we got here? Let me read it. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, kids, for that would be of no advantage to you. Children, as a kid, you can't often, sometimes, you can't wait to get out from under leadership. Parents, teachers, coaches, bosses, when do I have the true freedom to make all of my own decisions? The writer of Hebrews tells us the life of faith is one of submission and obedience to leadership, not just as a child. If that makes you feel uncomfortable, welcome to the club. We're all there. We all want freedom, but if it raises fears in you, you know, it could be for a couple different reasons. It could be because you've experienced leadership, whether it was a parent or a teacher, a minister or whatever. You've experienced poor leadership, maybe abuse, maybe uh, uh, overuse, something. The book of Hebrews is holding up a leader, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever, and saying, he is the best possible leader. And then he tells us to re, not just remember our leaders, but to obey, to submit to them. I don't know what this looks like for you. Again, many of us spend much of our life trying to get rid of other leaders so that we can say what we want to do, what we can do. But the life of faith is about submission to leadership. That puts a large burden on those of you that are in a leadership position. And again, it says it right there. They will have to give an account. And maybe you've experienced that abuse or you've experienced some negligence. 
the Lord says to you, they will have to give an account. You see, for me, I, from time to time, having lots of sons, I've gotten to coach baseball, and, and I enjoy coaching baseball, but as they've gotten older, I also enjoy letting other people coach them, because it's fun to just show up and not have to do any of the work, just show up and, and clap. That's, that's what the whistle is, right? Your coach, you can give a little blow on that. Give a, that was good, right? But here's the problem. Whenever I see that other coach up there, there's something that I notice. Those coaches aren't perfect like me, right? Not, no. They don't play the kids in the same way that I play them. They don't practice in the same way that I practice them. They don't discipline and motivate in the same ways that I do. And I have to sit back and let somebody else, and I have to actually submit and support. And this, it, it raises all of these questions. Submission. And obedience is difficult. I don't know what bosses, what leaders, what this looks like in your life, both as a leader and as someone who's led, but we're all there. And I invite you now to ask God, God, what does this look like? What leadership roles do I have that I'm neglecting? What leaders am I refusing to allow? What would it be like to be led to allow my leader to joyfully lead me. Again, this is for you too, parent, our uh, kids. What does it look like to allow, because many times kids think that their job in life is to bring out as much grumbling as they can from their parents. And when my parents are grumbling, then I can sit down and satisfied because my job is done. <laughs> the gospel message invites you to allow leaders to joyfully lead you. That's a big ask. It's dangerous to say that word up here. Uh, would, you, uh, would you take some moments to ask God, Lord, what does this look like in my life right now before we move into the last one? And finally, we have pray for us. Pray for us. And I didn't really come up with anything good, so we're just going to fold our hands like we're praying, all right? This, now, this is kind of, you can do this too. Or you can, yeah, this is kind of, this is like little kids. We don't do this very much. I know there was a statue in Joplin, Missouri, where I was born of a huge granite praying hands, you know, and I thought about having something like that, but I didn't have a time to carve it out of granite this morning, so <laughs> you're just going to have to suffice. The question I kind of want to ask, and I'm, you know, I'm taking this, he's, he's saying at the end, the, the author of Hebrews is saying, hey, pray for us. And I guess the question that comes to my mind, and you know, maybe it's, it's stretching or whatever a little bit, but I, I, you know, we've taken the time, or we're, I'm, we're trying to take the time to say, okay, Lord, I want to, to ask you, I want to listen to you, and then I want to do what you've asked me to do. But how much does our, and you know, when we pray, what, we, what, we, what are we doing? We're coming before the very throne room of God. How often do you come before the very throne room of God on behalf of others? Or are all of your prayers me prayers? How many are you prayers? 
How often, you know, it's kind of like our money, kind of like our love. Do you see some patterns here of God saying, hey, I have unconditionally poured out love in you. I am the author of of all the money and everything that you have. Be content in the same way, yet we so often can lead our lives. And there's nothing wrong with praying. For me, the, the book of Psalms is filled with a lot of prayers, you know, starting from me and ending up at God. I guess it's just that challenge of who does God want to to show you to, to pray for, to go before the very throne room of God on their behalf this week. I would love for you to write down these 10 do's. Go into the week saying, Lord, open my eyes to be aware of them. Because otherwise the danger is we just go into another year just kind of living on the same plane rather than taking advantage of the fact that we get to ask of God We get to listen, and listen takes work. It's not natural, and wouldn't it be awesome at the end of next year if maybe we just learned to listen better? And yet, then what if we had the opportunity to do what God has asked us to do? Emmett, you did a good job. You can have a seat. My dad this week shared a story, because I know, like many of Like me, maybe you're weak in this area of actually worshiping God by putting your faith into practice, by taking the time to listen. And and yet their church, they were supposed, their small group was supposed to do an activity where they were supposed to kind of get together and do a service project. And so they had planned to join another organization that they were, you know, kind of putting supplies together or something. But the night before or the day of, they called and they found out that, that the organization didn't have room for their small group to come and serve. And so instead, they just decided to say, hey, let's pray that God would show us opportunities to serve. And they just kind of went out about their day. And, and so he said he was out in the driveway at some point working on his truck. And a guy that was just walking down the streets, obviously, whether he was homeless, whether you could tell that he was, you know, a stranger telling somebody. And he said normally he would have pointed, he just kind of would have, you know, said something nice to him, but sent him on his way. And yet in this moment... Because he had been praying, and he said he knew the second the guy walked up. God didn't, he didn't hear an audible voice, but he, he just kind of, a smile came to his face. He's like, okay, God, I get it. Because God was dropping this guy on his lap. And again, normally because of all the questions, you know, I don't, I don't know this guy. He could be a con artist. He could be fraud. He could be here to hurt me. He could be just abuse, whatever happens. And so the guy, you know, had a story about needing money for a, a car permit. And, and so he, you know, and he just, every step along the way, he said he was kind of, okay, Lord, do you want me to do, okay, I'm just, I guess I'm just going for this because you dropped this in my lap. And normally, again, I would, you know, miss this opportunity, but I've been praying. And so he had the opportunity to say, okay, here, here's the deal. If, if, if you want to, you know, I, I can give you some work. And he had him, you know, some leaves in the yard. He had him, you know, mow the leaves to kind of clean up the yard. And he, he told him he'd give him a certain amount of money. And, and my mom was in the house watching, and, and this guy, he said they, he just, he attacked this job like better than they would have done it. And there was just something there. And he was like, okay, this is not normal, right? This isn't just a guy. And it was one of those stories where they would have completely missed it, and they got to know the guy, and, and they found out that he had actually walked from completely the, the whole across the town, and he was just looking for an opportunity because his, his wife was in all sorts of medical difficulties. And again, there's all sorts of challenges and questions, but in that moment, they had asked, God had delivered. It was a question, okay, what are you going to do? How often do we not even spend the time to ask him to show us? And then when we maybe do ask, how do we often do we not take 
the quiet it takes to listen. And then to, to do. Worship that the Lord enjoys. He enjoys hearing our songs, but he enjoys the songs being a reflection of our faith that is lived out every moment of every day. The invitation that I have, and I'm going I'm to share this with you. We're going to pray. We're going to invite the worship band after we pray to come up and to sing. The question that the writer of Hebrews has for us is, will you follow me? Will you follow Jesus? Because the connection I want you to make with this chapter and the 10 do's and the guys that we had up here is faith in Jesus is an invitation to follow in his footsteps. It's not just God asking us to do hard stuff to try to please him. He's just saying, no, follow me. Why care for and show love to outsiders? Because that's what Jesus did for us. We were more than just outsiders. We were enemies, yet he entered into our world right into the midst of our pain. He allowed himself to be imprisoned, tortured, and mistreated, not for his own wrongdoing, but for ours. He saw his bride His people, the church, crumbled up, dirty, stained, defiled, and rather than turning his back, he picked her up. As Ephesians 5 says, he gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. The writer of Hebrews invites us to follow in his footsteps. Faith is not just some list of lived out commands. It's a life of following him, submitting to his rule, surrendering our fears to him, our helper who cares for us, clinging to his cross and not being dragged off into other religions or belief systems that allow us to fit in with culture or to gain acceptance. The question he asks is, will you follow me? Will you start this journey? Or maybe you've been on the journey long ago and yet you're starting to follow other paths. Will you worship him with your whole life or will you just give lip service on a Sunday morning to it? Will you stay trapped in your fears, trying to avoid, trying to make plans to avoid all of your fears or will you bring your fears to him? The life of faith is an invitation. And I pray as we close our eyes here in a moment that you would take the time to ask, Lord, what would you have me do? And the answer we've already said is he will say is to follow me. Lord, show me what areas you want to follow in. Would you pray with me? Just a reminder that we love you and God loves you and you always have a place here at ACC. We hope to see you soon.